Hello, and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkle. Each episode, we choose a different expert to discuss the latest and greatest in digital marketing trends. Today, we're interviewing Melissa Riley and Jane Yeo about the 2022 Q4 Performance Media Report. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed. And I'm Andrea McCartney. And this is Digital Marketing Musings. Welcome back to Digital Marketing Musings Season 2. Today, we are joined by Melissa and Jane to talk about the Q4 Performance Media Report, which shares a look at trends a brand should be aware of heading into Q4. Melissa is an Associate Director of Marketing Communications at Merkle. She's been in performance marketing for over 12 years, managing paid search accounts, and primarily works in the retail vertical. Jane is a media strategy manager here at Merkle, working with retail and hospitality clients. She's fascinated by all things driven by data and research to help strategize and shape the way that we activate our paid media for clients. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. So starting off for this report, Melissa, can you just outline for us some of the media insights that we've compiled for our clients over this past quarter? Sure. So there were a couple of things that really stood out to me. The first, looking across paid channels, uh, one trend that really emerged was that CPC and CPM increases weren't as pervasive as they had been in previous quarters. So for paid search, display, Facebook, and Instagram, we had fewer advertisers report year-over-year increases in those costs per metrics than in the last report. And I think this is really notable for brands. Um, If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, (laughs) you've probably heard me a few quarters in a row um, talking about how dramatic increases were year over year for CPC and CPM, um, particularly at the tail end of 2021. So some of that I think has just come back down to earth with more in-store shopping resuming um, and then some consumer concerns with inflation as well. The other thing that really stood out to me was that the numbers weren't the same across industries. Uh, They varied depending on how um, economic and external factors were impacting different areas. So just Taking one example, um, insurance brands reported year-over-year increases in several paid channels that were at much higher rates than other industries. And so at first glance, you might think, well, people need insurance now. They needed insurance last year. They kind of always need insurance. Like, what's different? (laughs) But I think what's really changed is with inflation, consumers are more likely to try to find cost savings, potentially shop around for... um, for different insurance carriers. So there's more of a need in that particular industry to push harder and paid channels to be visible and capture attention. So that was just one example, but we did see across other industries as well that there were um, some differences in how uh, paid channels were looking year over year. So this is making me wonder, how are these trends that we're seeing going to impact us in Q4? So I think some of what drove the trends in Q3 are definitely going to factor into Q4. One interesting thing, though, is that brands aren't seemingly that concerned about how media will perform, um, despite some of the the challenges that we're seeing in the economy. Um, So in our survey, only 3% of respondents said that their revenue driven by media will be lower than it was in Q4 of 2021. That really surprised me. I thought that number was going to be bigger. Now, I should clarify that 
45% said that they think revenue will be similar year over year from media. So it's not like everyone's expecting growth, but I did think that there would be more folks um, expecting a softer Q4 with inflation in particular. That said, I, I was excited to see that brands are thinking about inflation um, and adjusting their marketing strategies as a result. So um, only 1% of the brands that we surveyed said that they're not changing anything about their marketing efforts as a result of the inflation concerns that their customers are feeling. Um, the biggest callouts were that brands are rethinking the value prop that they're putting out into market um, and that they're leveraging new promotions to help encourage customers down the funnel and ultimately to an inver- uh, conversion. So I was encouraged to see that brands are thinking about the consumer and how to help them in a time of need, even if they're not necessarily concerned about the revenue that their media is going to drive year over year. And of course, Q4 is big for many brands with holiday purchasing. So what sort of headwinds are our brands facing specific to holiday and how are they responding? Pretty much everything Melissa just spoke to are pretty much all headwinds for brands this season, like inflation. Both consumers and brands are still working to navigate and combat the uncertainty left by the pandemic, which will mean brands need to stay agile and adapt to changing consumer purchasing behaviors. It feels like every year the holiday shopping period seems to be starting earlier and earlier. I can attest to this. I joined in on Amazon Prime Day in July to buy a few gifts for December, and I hope they like them because they won't be able to return or exchange them. (laughs) But I got a good deal and that's what's important. (laughs) So all these brands are starting to announce these shopping events earlier and earlier and continue that momentum into Black Friday and Cyber Week, uh, causing shoppers to catch those deals that might not be available in a few months. But that's also not to say that they're not shopping later either. Last minute shopping does still exist. Reports say 42% of shoppers plan to purchase their holiday gifts before Super Saturday, which is the last Saturday before Christmas, which means there's a whopping 58% ready to buy just days before Christmas morning. So we recommend advertisers monitor their search and paid media traffic throughout the season and heavy up in periods where they are seeing higher demand and click through because those periods may differ from brand to brand across different verticals. And another call out I wanted to be sure to mention is that Consumers are prioritizing a frictionless holiday experience this year. In 2020, 2021, there was this huge shift in consumer priority for convenience and safety. And with inflation, they're still prioritizing convenience, but now also with experience and value. Uh, There are reports that say 90% of consumers are more likely to choose a retailer uh, based on convenience. So value propositions like buy now, pay later, buy online, pick up in store or curbside, as well as having an efficient website experience with fast page loads. All of that contributes to that frictionless shopping experience that customers are craving. They can be expected to be shopping largely on mobile Mobile and mobile apps will drive a majority of online shopping this year. So it's important brands are fully optimizing their sites and landing page experiences for both desktop and mobile users to avoid things like cart abandonment and potential sales. So in the end, it's all about strengthening that relationship 
between brand and consumer with these shopping behaviors to build trust and ideally boost purchase intent. Talking about that frictionless experience, we asked brands about what they're planning to do this holiday season to try to help support that. And the good news is that brands are planning to do a lot to support that experience. So um, 55% are planning to offer flexible purchasing options like buy online, pick up in store, contactless checkout, etc. And 44% plan to offer blended physical and digital experiences. So consumers are asking for those different types of options and brands are delivering them, which is great. Brands also aren't just focusing on financial metrics this year. Um, That was another interesting finding from the survey. A lot of brands are zeroed in more on customer acquisition and retention, as well as brand awareness. um, And that was in the retail space in particular. I've seen some data elsewhere that talked about there being like fewer orders um, from customers, but larger basket sizes because of inflation. Um, So I think each individual customer and purchase is maybe a little bit more valuable than in past holiday seasons, um, which is why brands are prioritizing that customer acquisition retention um, and not as solely focused on driving efficient conversions as they maybe have been in the past. I definitely resonate with like the page load speed. Like I feel like every day working in paid media or paid search or any of these channels, we're asked like, what's the next best thing that we can be doing? And sometimes it really goes back to those basics. I just the other day had this Instagram ad from Aerie for their like long line bras, which are awesome. Everyone should go check them out. But the page (laughs) load speed from the Instagram ad, which had like the right copy directed to the right audience for me. And it all resonated. And it was just taking like five to 10 seconds, like way too long for my, you know, we're all, we all have this shortening attention span with the TikTok generation, I guess. Um, And it was just like too much. Like I was incentivized enough by the creative to actually like switch onto desktop and, and away from mobile and go and try to hunt down the actual products that I was interested in, but I can imagine the vast majority of people are not going to have that much patience, right? So sometimes it really is just going back to basics to make everything else, all these other efforts that you're putting into the program actually worth it. You're speaking to the SEO in me with that, Makaya. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, shifting gears into another section of the report, there was a lot about the evolution of search and there was a heavy focus on automation Melissa Jane, what are your thoughts on this? And can you talk more about what this means for brands? Yes, automation is indeed driving some big changes in the search landscape. Google and Microsoft are kind of progressing towards AI and machine learning to set bids, reach the right people, and ultimately create the most relevant search experience for the user. Um, A few years ago, Google introduced RSAs, which are responsive search ads. They auto-generate the most relevant headlines and descriptions based on auction time signals. There's also broad match, where machine learning helps extend search efficacy beyond exact and phrase match. Um, And then there's smart bidding, where machine learning, again, evaluates tons of signals to set the right bid for every query based on the campaign's goals like ROI. So if you have a Performance Max campaign already set up, then these features are going to make your campaigns even smarter. So you can see all these different ways Google is trying to streamline paid search management 
but their advancements are also stirring up a lot of discontent in the paid search community. There's this whole idea of the black box environment and taking away the decision making and control from advertisers. There are valid pros and cons out there that ultimately necessitate a solid understanding of the ongoing evolution and automation and how to strategize with these tools moving forward. It's important that when testing these automation tools, it's not a set it and forget it. They can be pretty good at managing complex elements of search campaigns, but they still require guardrails and manual oversight to succeed. So you definitely need that human insight still, especially when it comes to things like strategy, storytelling, creative development, and auditing. And my advice to Google, if they ever hear this, maybe you could consider addressing the negative feedback by incentivizing the new automation features, make it more efficient and cheaper in order to drive higher adoption by clients. I like it. I like it. Throwing <laughs> out ideas. Also within this, this section, we were talking about some of the, the impacts of, of different elements on uh, search strategies. And Melissa, I think you had some notes around this that you also wanted to, to share as well. Yeah. So um, I'm going to apologize in advance for sounding like a broken, <laughs> broken record, but um, I think inflation is impacting search strategies too. Um, within search this quarter, we saw more folks reporting growth in shopping versus text ads. And we also saw that brands are placing a higher priority on getting their product listing ad data well optimized. Um, so all this kind of points to people focusing in more on shopping formats versus text. And those ads are typically considered lower in the purchase funnel. The customer already sees all the information about the product before they even have to click. And I think a format like that really works better when budgets are getting shifted around and you might potentially need to save money. Not that I'm advocating for turning off text ads or anything like that. I think they both have really <laughs> important roles to play in search programs. That said, I think when you have to make a choice, those shopping ads can be a little bit more enticing um, from a budget allocation standpoint, just because they are a little bit lower in the funnel. Perfect. And then a few other questions before I know we're going to be moving on to other topics as well. We would be not doing our due diligence if we didn't mention cookie deprecation, because that is, of course, a big a big topic within search. And then a new one that's popped up of GA4. Jane, Melissa, what are your all thoughts on, on those areas? Well, for the cookies application, that should have minimal impact on SEM since keywords will remain the primary method of targeting. Those don't require user data or tracking to be effective. There also shouldn't be any disruption with RLSAs, which are Google's remarketing list for search ads, very long name. And that's because the ad is usually displayed on the Google SERP based on the user's search query and Google's first party cookie. So no third party cookies involved in that product specifically for paid search. If your search tactics include using in-market and affinity audiences, your performance might get impacted because the categorization of users will likely shift based on Google's new solutions, which may reduce audience accuracy and list sizes. So ultimately, although the direct impact of cookie deprecation to paid search is expected to be smaller than other channels, teams should still be monitoring you know, the latest announcements and beta features that Google releases. Yeah. And then um, jumping on to the, the GA4 topic, it's definitely important for 
the broader Google marketing platform of products, which includes search. But I don't think we'll see really clear, measurable material impact there. GA4 is definitely going to unlock some search enhancements for brands like custom audiences for SA360 or um, media landing page optimization, things like that. But I don't think we'll see much materialize in Q4 um, for sure. As of the survey, only 24% of respondents had made significant progress in migrating to GA4. Um, And even once implementation is done, there's going to be a learning curve as brands get up to speed before they can really take advantage. So um, I would also categorize that as something to, of course, pay attention to, but not predicted to see a huge impact from that in the immediate term. One of the other sections of the report that stood out to us was just around out-of-home marketing. So for anyone that you know hasn't worked in this kind of ad format before, can you describe what out-of-home marketing is and, and why we're seeing such a strong growth in that area? Uh, Yeah, so out-of-home advertising is any type of advertising media found outside of your home. So in public areas like freeways, streets, airports, train stations, and more, the medium has seen considerable growth and recovery as people are exploring outside of their homes more than ever now. Of course, COVID-19 had an immediate impact to out-of-home, but the recovery has been even stronger. It's been beating pre-pandemic levels in many cases. There's also been a surge in flight bookings. People are going back to the office and therefore using public transit and automobiles more frequently. So the increase in these international and domestic journeys are all contributing to out-of-home success. Um, It's also greatly evolved in the past decade. Traditionally, out-of-home has used static signage like posters, billboards, and ads on street furniture, but now advertisers are incorporating digitized elements, some that react based on the weather and live sports scores, and some that encourage viewer interaction. And with the cosmetic evolution also comes the greater flexibility of buying, targeting, and measuring out-of-home ads. Usually, now advertisers can buy out-of-home placements programmatically and set up these robust targeting parameters to make sure their messages are displayed at the relevant time and place. You don't have to take up a billboard for multiple weeks 24-7. You can set specific bidding criteria based on the brand's needs. So if you're advertising for a restaurant, for example, then you can focus on lunch and dinner hours to reach people at the right moment in their days. So it's really easy to make these in-flight optimizations, switch the campaign on and off in real time as required based on real-time demand and supply. There's also this omni-channel opportunity where advertisers can buy out of home alongside other channels like mobile and continue to re-message those audiences already exposed to your other ads. So as you can see, there's so much you can do with out of home and more and more advertisers are tapping into it because it is proving to be successful at each stage of the consumer journey. Every every final stage from awareness, consideration, purchase to retention um, feels like I'm wrapping here. Out of home, (laughs) um, (laughs) out of home messaging has really proven to provide positive influence. You know, brands can increase awareness of a message, but also drive direct consideration and sales with hyper-local placements and more granular targeting. 
And this is just a Dentsu plug, but PosterScope is a Dentsu agency that specializes in out-of-home and location-based marketing communications. They have their proprietary live poster platform that allows digital campaigns to run seamlessly across multiple networks and media owners and be able to optimize based on a campaign's needs. So shout out to the PosterScope team for helping inform a lot of the insights I just mentioned. Very cool. It seems like a very powerful marketing tactic, especially as more people are getting out about as the pandemic gets further and further yeah. behind us. So very good stuff. Now we're getting ready to kind of wrap up our episode and, and close things out. And as always, want to close out with our question around main takeaways we want our listeners to walk away with. So Melissa Jane, what do you want people to walk away from this episode thinking about being aware of that maybe they weren't beforehand? So I think... I would like listeners to walk away feeling encouraged. And I know that can be tough when you look at the news and I mean, heck, even this podcast episode, um, you hear about the challenges yeah. <laughs> that are the challenges that are facing brands um, like inflation, or you see that a company's stock prices have dropped or they've slashed their financial forecast, things like that. There's a lot of news to be concerned about, but I think what we found, um, particularly in the survey, is that the last two years have kind of taught all of us how to roll with the punches better and to be flexible and to adapt to whatever comes our way. Um, and so we saw that shine through in the survey with, um, you know, brands considering what they're going to change for the holiday season to be more frictionless, what they're going to change um, in their messaging and their advertising to better help consumers during this higher inflationary period. So that would be my main takeaway that even when things seem hard and there are challenges and, and uphill battles to face that we can always change and, and do the best we can to get through it. Yeah. And in that same vein, there have, again, been so many of these, quote, disruptive events. I feel like brands should really be tightening up their tech and data integrations just to really understand the details of how their customer shops. I feel like having that robust and detailed understanding of your consumer's will help your brand develop strategies faster whenever these disruptive issues may arise. You know, it'll help minimize wasted dollars because there's more knowledge and data into which groups of people will likely drive the most conversions compared to other groups. Perfect. Well, Jane, Melissa, thank you so, so much for joining us. I do feel like I learned a lot in this episode, especially heading into Q4, what trends are on the horizons for, for the brands. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. It was great being on. That brings us to the end of this episode of Digital Marketing Musings. If you have an idea for an episode, we would love to hear it. Just drop us a note at digitalmarketingmusings at mercalink.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe or rate and review us. It helps others find our show. And we're always appreciative when you mention our show to a friend. This episode was produced by Merkel with sound and video editing by Craig Zagurski. Our team includes copywriting by Annika Schliesman. Graphic design by Garrett Rubel, website support by Bella Paul and Emily Chu, and social media and promotion by Gina Astrop and Andrea Ratner. Tune in next time. And until then, I'm Andrew McCartney. And I'm Gaia Reed. Bye.